0: introduced the 110 Ultralight. Savage has teamed up with Proof Research once again to craft a barrel specific for a purpose-driven firearm. At around 6 pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory-blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon-fiber-wrapped stainless steel barrel and melanite-skeletonized receiver minimize weight for success on any mountain hunt. Now I could go on and on about all the good things about this firearm, but what you need to do is go to savagearms.com, check out the 110 Ultralight. They have it available for the 308 Win Mag, the 270 Win Mag, the 28 Nosler, the 28 Ackley Improved, the 30.6 Springfield, and so on and so on and so on. They got it for just about uh, any cartridge. So what you need to do, is go to savagearms.com check this rifle out it's a badass rifle savagearms.com
1: welcome to the land and legacy
2: podcast we're your hosts adam keith and matt dye this is your number one resource for all things land if you're interested in conservation habitat management hunting strategy and rural real estate this is the podcast for you you <laughs> Welcome back, Land of Legs Podcast. Whew. Here we are, man. It's so it like September, middle of September, really. And what is a lot today? Of states the f- fourth, fifth. Is, I guess it's not quite so at all. I'm a week ahead. I'm a, my mind, my, my mind's already shifting. I, I think the podcast will drop
1: on the eighth. Yeah, or seventh or eighth. So regardless, um, Kentucky's o- open. Kentucky's open. North Dakota, Nebraska, Nebraska, Wyoming. Yep, uh, several states opened up, um, and then shoot this time next week, basically Missouri will be getting ready to kick off. So.
2: Maryland's open. Jeez, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it is it is about as lively, uh, full of anticipation, I think across the country as as you can get from a deer hunting standpoint. It's uh, it's it's amazing.
1: Did you uh, not to make an inappropriate joke or anything like that, but uh. and and not even try to tiptoe my way into this whole world of discussion and debate, but you know how many guys are so excited for hunting season to get here because it's like, ugh, we've been swimming through the coronavirus Mm -hmm. pandemic. We've been swimming through the shutdowns. and We've been swimming through restaurant closures and all that stuff. Now, ain't nobody stopping me from hunting.
2: No, no, and it's the perfect Perfect escape and getaway. And I, think I
1: hope it's a good reminder of the prioritizing of life. Uh, oh, sure. And how nature has a way of healing and escaping um, everyday nonsense. Well,
2: that and, and, and honestly too. Um, I, I'm, I don't. I hope this. Is, I hope I'm completely wrong, but I feel like there's probably going to be quite a bit of, um, I'll say, unrest probably come November. And the, and the Whitetail Woods is going to be a fantastic place to be able to get some clarity and, and have a clear mind and be able to decompress, I think, from, from some of that. Um, but regardless, yes, yes, it is it's a fantastic reminder to be able to get out and enjoy that time. Whether you're hunting or just taking the kids fishing, dove hunting, a lot of people are dove hunting right now. Um, it's all it's all a way to get outside and do what needs to get done for clear the sure. mind
1: clear the mechanism um definitely exciting uh as we get get ready to jump into it um did you happen to see that uh i think i sent it to you and chad it was like the guy sitting at the table there was like this huge brawl it was the meme oh yeah, yeah huge yeah, brawl yeah, yeah. everything going on behind him yep and it showed the guy just sitting there looking at his food and it said food plots it was like riding protesting and fires and all this stuff and he was like i got food popped food the brain. <laughs> <laughs> there's so yeah. many of our listeners that are like oh i'm just i'm just ready for deer season just
2: worn out by all the hoopla the stuff yeah <laughs> yeah but no so. yeah, i mean that that's definitely a general consensus um before I guess one week, and it's not the last two, Ron, because we got, we got a couple other trips coming up um, to Texas and to Florida. Arkansas. Arkansas, yep. Um, yeah. But tomorrow, head out on a trip to Virginia and Maryland for a good, solid four or five days worth of work. And then, like, that's kind of like the, okay, as soon as we get back from that, it's yeah. like, boom, boom. Couple days, put the finishing touches on things, and yeah, just yeah, see I where sure it goes. We've already written those reports. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding to those guys. Uh, yeah,
1: we got the one coming up in Arkansas. I've already written the report. Yeah. I just got to get there and send it. No. Yeah, no, not the case. But um, man, oh man, uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm, it's I'm insane pumped. right now. You know, one thing a lot of our, our listeners don't know, uh, I guess, a little bit differently about what we do. Um, is we don't, you hear us plug our, our partners on the beginning and end of the podcast. And yeah. We don't have a ton of them, uh, but we work with a lot of companies. So, like, there's certain categories of, of uh, let's just say, products um, that we work with uh, numerous of those companies. Uh, for for instance, Redneck blinds. We also uh, Maverick blinds. Um, those are the two main ones right now that that we work with both of them, and we don't have a sponsorship from either one of them. But we sell as dealers, and uh, right now it's been just crazy busy with shipping out blinds. Yeah, and uh, so that's just another thing that we have kind of going on behind the scenes where it's like we're constantly, the last two weeks been working on these orders, and it's just like, whew hunting season is coming because people are ordering trail cameras. That's another, oh, that's another yeah. one you don't another hear us plugging uh, yeah. one company because we work and we have relationships with multiple and we use multiple. Um, so therefore, we've always said we don't really want to be exclusive with anyone because there's one trail camera company that we use a lot because we like the system, but that system doesn't work for some of the other applications that we want. So therefore, we have
2: many I, other companies. I feel like honestly, if, if you were to boil us down or put us in a, 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 a corner and say, I, I would just like to replace the term products with tools. Yeah, because yeah, they're, they're products, of course, but essentially they're tools. And, and if you are any ty- if you're doing any type of labor or, or just work itself, a cobalt hammer or a Home Depot hammer—it doesn't matter. Will work. It's I'm just like to what that tools? Other hammer, the one craftsman out there. or something.
1: I don't no, know. No, there's one that's uh, stiletto. It's titanium, so it huh. weighs like less than a pound.
2: Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it, it's it, a good at hammer. The, at the end of the day, there's tools we like to use, but uh, many of the times we're—it's we're, not like it's a brand thing. It's not a product brand that like we're necessarily married to. Yeah. But um, when when you're utilizing tools, yes, it goes beyond a brand and goes beyond just a simple one singular yeah. product.
1: Because at the end of it, it's it's not necessarily that one – There, you can make the argument for a lot of comparisons out there. But for us, the ones that were really just not exclusive with anyone is like – it's kind of like Ford, Chevy, Dodge, Ram – whatever you want to compare all those they're probably going to get you all down the road it just depends on how you want to go in style if you Mm -hmm. want to whatever Uh, i should have said toyota in that since i have toyota but um you pretty much like with with these companies it's like if you want vertical windows you want fiberglass you want plastic that's who you got and we'll help you there and so that's a big thing going on right now, selling blinds, selling trail cameras, um, and just trying to get, get ready for deer season. And, uh, whoo, I can't believe we made it. It's, 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 I mean, it's here. We're sitting in a backyard once again, and you can hear the crickets singing, and uh, you can hear many, many other bugs. But if, if uh, we were here, sitting here during daylight, you would see a lot of post oak leaves on the ground, mm-hmm. which is always just a reminder of, wow, it's 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 happening soon. Um, There's been
2: a lot of things that have really kind of turned in the last week or so that I'm like, ooh, some of the sycamores are really starting to turn. Yeah, I some saw an American, uh, oh
1: man, what was that? Uh, black gum, American black oh, yeah. gum on the farm oh, yeah. completely marooned out and was yeah. just like, now, I think it was probably a little stress-induced because sure. of the drought, but at the same time, it was like,
2: whoa, that's Those usually one of, of the first early ones. Early goers. It's
0: yep. like,
1: wow, that's awesome. So That's
2: neat. Go cut that thing down. <laughs> anyway, it's, time. it's 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 definitely time for this stuff to start turning over. But um, I'm, I'm excited to go and hunt. And we had this conversation earlier, not terribly excited about, like, hunting in the heat like there's something always is iconic about late october early november hunts that like, yeah. i don't think you can ever really replace um but just n- it's almost it's almost like a knowing that you now have the option to be able to go out and hunt if you do so choose that i think is the exciting part um but uh, i mean it's uh, it's it is here um and i just have like this a little bit of an anticipation because i feel like It's going to be a good year. I feel like it's going to be a successful year for um, us, but but Seth, Chad, Kyle, Frank, um, anybody else right here, kind of in the in the land legacy crew team member deal. I think it's just going to be overall fun year.
1: Yeah. Well, like we talked last week, Oklahoma, and then many farms here in Missouri that we're hunting. uh, We may throw in a public land trip at some point during the fall um just a lot of you know there's a lot of good deer on camera a lot of food plots we finally getting rain this year so yeah. food plots looking great and that i guess is a segue right into this week's uh highlighting of the partner that makes this podcast happen is stratton seed go stratton seed.com we help develop some of their blends both fall and spring blends and uh
2: i'll say the- this Legacy has bolted out of the ground. Yeah. Coming on so strong. Yeah. In, in less than a, a week or so, had good rain, and it's coming. It's, For sure. It's popped, man. And I would
1: say, guys, we love Stratton Seed. We love the Legacy blend. Most importantly, quality seed, but we love the pricing. Yes. So you guys are all out there. It's a great time because you can go and look at any Facebook group. What is that? Poor man no-till food plots is one. Yeah, something like that. Habitat manager is another one. There's food all plot kinds of food plot something. junkies, and everybody is sharing seed labels, and you'll see the bottom seed label, and so it gives you a good idea what's in what's in these blends, because you can have fancy marketing, but those seed labels tell you the tell you what's in there.
2: Composition. Germination, and you can start variety. comparing them
1: and realize real quick. I think. And, and very unbiased hopefully can say i think you realize pretty quick that stratton seed prices are are hard to beat i'd be shocked i would love to know if there is a person out there that says nope i i got a blend that can can beat legacy blend pricing share it with me so well, well there'll try be to
2: some, there'll be some figure out a way that we can beat it that can beat the pricing but not not stack up with all the varieties oh right? yeah i uh, mean it's not going to have the same offering. blend
1: with a couple different annual clovers and all that. You yep. can throw a four blend in there and say, oh yeah, it beat you. But a 12 blend. It doesn't stack be up. Be hard. Be very hard. So go strat and
2: seed.com. So this week <sighs> we might, we might almost like I said, get unruly, but I feel like there's just, as we're getting into season, there's some, there's some points that just need to overall be made about if you will, expectations. Like, you know when you go, you spend time all over the country and, and you see on social media, this and that. Like, there's probably every year, let's just break down a state into four different regions. I don't care what the shape of the state is, whatever. Just say four different regions. They're going to be, in every region throughout the hunting season, big deer killed. In like every corner of the states that have whitetails in them, right? Yeah, it just it just it just I mean, by default, there's going to be some deer who get to age and they're going to be good, good deer. Yep, I feel like we forget that, and I feel like a lot of times we're so hung up on the points about what makes a big buck a big buck. And really just forget about the root cause of it and how we can influence it. Some, like, th- Of course, there's hundreds of variables that go into all of this, right? But when it comes down to it, there's things that you can control and there's things that you can't control. Obviously, we all have to f- abide by the state, the legal means to hunt, right? Yeah. You can't go outside that. Then you'd be breaking the laws. But, like, there's some states that allow for different regulations that help reduce, I think, obviously the number of bucks harvested or the accessibility to hunters. Therefore, just generally speaking, they have a better age structure into a herd, right?
1: Yeah, Iowa is
2: that. Yeah, Kansas is kind of one of those. Kentucky. Um, Kentucky, Ohio is one. Those are all one buck states. Yep. Um, So it just automatically... Those states lend themselves to a hunter observing, and if you will, forcibly kind of, putting themselves in a a position where they need to make a decision of shoot or pass. Because you could, I think Kentucky actually opened up today, and it's like, you could literally end your season today, but most people don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, they want to experience a lot of things, unless it's a, I won't say once in a lifetime opportunity, but something that doesn't come around too often. Right, a good yeah. a good deer comes out, and you're like, yeah, I'd I'd blow the rest of the season here in the state for for that deer, but it yep. makes people decide.
1: Yep, if you've got multiple tags, it doesn't matter.
2: Uh, yeah, not you're weighted much differently in, yep. in those decisions, yeah.
1: right? He I'll, may show up. I'll get him on a second tag.
2: Right. Right, and so, like, just automatically, like, there's a variable that gets thrown out because of the state regulations. Again, you can't do anything about them. They just, there's bigger deer there, but resource-wise, is Kentucky that much different than Tennessee?
0: Nope.
2: Is Kentucky that much different... From many portions, honestly, of Missouri,
1: Indiana, yeah, parts no. of Illinois,
2: parts of Ohio. Compare,
1: compare. Just look at two catty corner state. You've got Iowa and you've got Kansas, but then the two others, Nebraska and Missouri. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about them nearly as much as they talk about those two, because you have Hope multiple bucks. Out. You have a rifle season during the rut. Yep, it's just like uh, over the counter tags.
2: Here's, here's everything th-
1: points to, I mean, well, not everything, but for the most part, just those few th- items drastically change the overall deer herd.
2: Yes, and, and, it, and it's shaped by the opportunity um, or the percentage of deer that can get to an older age class. It's not that Nebraska, although it looks different than Missouri in many places, that it doesn't have the opportunity... To harvest big deer, because I promise you, there are many portions of the state have got giant whitetails. Yeah, giant.
1: and it do, but it doesn't. It's not that different from Kansas. I mean, it's sits
2: Right next to each other, it's Arkansas and and Mississippi. There are portions of both of those states where you can go and successfully kill big deer. Right there in the Mississippi deltas, even in in, um, much of the ag country and in the hills of both of those states, you can kill really big deer. But are you going to be encountering them at the same rate as you would in Iowa or Kansas? Well, probably not because of, again, general regulations. But in essence, it's the age structure. But I think that oftentimes people want to go back to revert into let's say uh, well my area doesn't have the genetics and I'm like oh yeah you you can't even say that that's not even a valid argument if you don't have an age structure that honestly would represent what a genetic potential would even be like if you have less individuals in a population that are of five and a half and older your sample size of what a genetic potential, I'm air quoting that, genetic potential in that region would be is so, so small. Yeah. But compare that to another state that, again, has a balanced age structure. Well, now we're looking at something that says, okay, we might have a, a slightly better indication of what the genetics are in an area. Anyhow, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. The whole thing is, it doesn't matter what your genetics are, what your food plots look like, this and that. If you're wanting... What mineral <laughs> you're dumping on the ground. I was going to get into products, yes. But what mineral you're dumping on the ground, it, it doesn't matter all that. If if you're listening to this podcast and you want to shoot bigger deer, you probably need older deer on the landscape. The things that follow into place afterwards, I think that have a, a an an impact. I don't know. Let's say how measurable, but but things like really, really ramping up the habitat because because yeah. there's so many places right now. Let's just take a block a, a block of uh, really poor habitat. And we've seen this where there's very like probably let's just say zero land management. But a deer gets to five and a half, he gets shot, and he's still a one sixty. He's still a nice nice deer. That happens a lot in poor habitat. But a lot of people would say, wow, okay, that's a that's a nice deer. I would love to be able to shoot a 160-inch deer, but that's just a, a product of his age in his region. But, but what happens then if you apply the habitat to it? Wow, we're getting somewhere. now. Now we're really ramping things up. But I just don't think that we can simplify things down to it really more than hey, if you want to shoot bigger deer, as you're as you're entering into your hunting season, if you want to shoot bigger deer, you gotta shoot older deer, or or you have to is, pass younger deer for them to get to older is, deer.
1: Is bigger deer score wise? Yeah, body wise, you're like I want bigger deer, and who knows if you haven't heard it by now, it's just cleared it up. Age number one, nutrition number two, genetics number three.
2: Correct. If o- order of importance. Those are all factors that a- yep. express or, or in, you know help dictate antlers. But right, that's order of importance. Age
1: number one being most importantly. If uh, a young buck that gets shot isn't going to be a booner ever, not today, not tomorrow, not next year, he just can't be any bigger when he's dead. Nutrition being number two. Most important, you have to have quality forage year-round, lower stress levels, lower the stress levels, the better chance they're going to express more of their potential, express more of their their health. And number three, genetics. We can't control it.
2: We can't even see it. You can't even
1: see it. It's a moving target. Unless you're managing acres and acres and acres and acres and acres, then you might, but most of us are not. Um, I mean, we kind of laugh and say, "My does are raising other my neighbors bucks bucks," because (laughs) the way it works to avoid inbreeding is uh, when a dispersion. Yeah, they get dispersed out, and there's just no way to say that what I'm raising on my farm. I've got this doe. She dropped a button buck, uh, or she dropped a a little buck, and uh, that that deer right there is going to be my next Boone and Crockett."
2: Well, he he might make it to Boone and Crockett, but you probably won't get a shot at him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing if you hear: oh, without well that's that's that one's brother, that oh that's the dad, or they're yeah. twins. Uh, probably not. Yeah, like n- no, they they probably moved and just went separate way. Like that's that's why we don't have, like I said, this inbreeding of animals. Unless a population gets isolated, you don't have those situations. It happens naturally. We don't. We just don't even see it because when they're dispersing, it's usually the spring after they're a year old bucks, and yeah. they, they're barely growing antlers and they're just covering ground. But we see this through GPS um, uh, collars and these massive movements, depending on the landscape. But um, that that also dictates things too. Um, but but I think you know some people are just asking themselves in in their specific region, why am I not seeing big deer, like I got cameras out 24-7, I've got feed, I've got food plots, i got this. Well, honestly, they're probably not there because your age structure in not your property necessarily, but let's take the whole neighborhood, the neighborhood is probably just really low. It's just very heavily skewed to the year and a half and two and a half year old deer. Sure, you're going to have a couple three and a half to get through, but are you really getting to the fours and fives? Probably not. Now that's based on again maybe some state regulations based on hunting pressure in that neighborhood but we cannot sit here and just blame and say well I'm just going to shoot this because that's all I got. If your goal is to shoot big deer the number one thing for you to do is not shoot Younger deer. And I'm not saying, and I know you're going to say the same thing, we're not saying that it's wrong to shoot younger deer. We're simply saying if you, as an individual, if your goal is to shoot bigger deer, you can't shoot them at two and three. Period. <laughs> it doesn't work. No. It, it. You You just, you're the, the person... Or you're that neighbor, whatever the situation is, that everyone's like, well, yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't, we don't have big deer here because they'll get shot when they're younger. Yeah. Well, I I
1: grew up in, the, still live here in the Ozarks, and it's always been, ah, they just don't get as big as they do up north. False. And it's just like, it's because of that mindset right there that keeps us from having. Now, we can make an argument over the fact that there's more food available in northern Missouri than there is in the Ozarks, which is generally closed canopy forest. Mm -hmm. But if it was the same, if there was quality forage, year-round forage, here and there, there's no reason that the deer are going to have a drastic difference in the overall size. A lot of the deer in northern Missouri were restocked with southern Missouri deer. Correct when uh, when game populations were horrible they trapped them here in the Ozarks and they sent them north so genetically speaking they're the same deer for the most part nutrition's a little different but the overall mindset is one of the biggest factors that plays into northern missouri having bigger deer than southern missouri it's because southern missouri we we live by the idea that they're never going to be that big Fork and horns probably or an eight-pointer. I'll go ahead and shoot him because he's not going to be that much bigger anyway.
2: I, I grew up in uh, <coughs> central, north-central Virginia, and we had – we st- I mean, there's a lot of hunters around, but so many people are, were still, you know, of the same mindset. Big deer, you had to go to Ohio. You had to go yeah. to Kentucky. Basically, you had to cross the Appalachian Mountains – to get into where the big deer live. If you were to stay in
1: Virginia, where would you go to kill big deer?
2: I would go to South Central or South Eastern Virginia.
1: Wow! If you had to think about it, there's not really
2: no, th- honestly, because it, it's a tougher question because there, there's big deer across the whole state. Yeah. Um, but if I was to Probability wise, yeah, South Central, Southeast, Southeast yes. probably first, and people were like, "What? Southeast? Sandy, piney? Yeah. Well, there's tons of cutover, tons of swamps, and tons of tons of uh, so soybeans and peanuts.
1: When you said cutovers and swamps, I heard the potential for deer to get old. Absolutely. And then you say the crops, plenty of forage.
2: It's a it's a perfect combination. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean it's it's. Can you run dogs over there? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Fun. And then you can it's uh, rifle season from November 16th till the first Saturday in January and you can kill 3 bucks. So, it's let's just say some odds are stacked against the general herd from an age structure development standpoint. Yeah. There's a lot of um, liberties given. Now, I love opportunity from hunting standpoints and, and and the ability for people to access game. Love that. Don't ever want to take it away. So we're talking specifically to this on this podcast again to individuals on their property if you were wanting to do this, this is what you you would need to do. But yeah, there's a lot of things stacked against. However, every single year there are 170-80 inch deer killed out of Southeast Virginia. I mean, multiple. Every every single year, they're they're there. The recipe, the habitat, allows them to be able to get of a a size that anybody or any portion of the country could could produce.
1: Yeah, so they just h- not that many here of in it. Missouri. What I see in comparing the state and. I'm sorry about the people in West Missouri or Eastern Missouri, because I'm just going to split it with North and South. Yeah. Southeast is totally different than South Central and Southwest. Yes. But you're getting lumped into the South. To me, when I look at the difference, I say there's there's two main things that really come into play. The fact that people in the South don't believe that we can have the quality of deer in the North. And so... That is a big problem, but what I see, the biggest difference is overall land use and therefore land price per acre. Much more expensive in northern Missouri, much cheaper in southern Missouri, and if you can flip it and get actually that mindset of saying, we can do this in southern Missouri, you have a lot more potential for a landowner or a guy wanting to buy A chunk of ground I think in southern Missouri you have a much better chance at doing it if you can actually implement the quality uh, of work to improve the overall habitat then you can in northern Missouri because you can get a bigger piece in southern Missouri and then you can manage it to where that food is more year-round and so I think you'd have an overall better chance. But you have, to, you have to change your perspective of understanding that you can grow them in southern Missouri. And it's just like any other state we visit or talk to is the overall change in the perspective and, and understanding that you can grow big deer. I just have to stop shooting them when they're so small.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, and I think I, I know I've gotten the question, I'm sure you have as well, from, from people who are looking to hire us and say, hey, I'm in this region. What do you think my my um honest potential is. Yeah. Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. I know it's gonna be really good and it would exceed your expectation if I threw out like an inches that a, a deer could get here if you implemented this plan and created this. Yeah. It'd probably scare you. In my head it but it, it's un. Unli- I mean it's it there's not a ceiling right now no i i think when people ask
1: the question do you think i can grow big deer in this region i mean just fill in the blank i in my head i, I kind of chuckle in my head i don't always say this but it's like well that depends on how much work you're willing to do mm-hmm. and how good you're going to manage your trigger finger because if your goal nothing. is big deer,
2: you have to manage your trigger finger just as much as you manage your habitat. And and here's the the meat and potatoes of the podcast. If you're looking to kill big deer, this is the cheapest thing that you can do. It's just pass deer. Yep. Or pass young bucks. Uh, yeah, okay, so that's what I was getting into. Yeah, Pass young bucks and hammer down on some does. Yeah. If you have a high deer density. Yeah. That situation I mean we're not talking there's not a tractor involved, there's not planting equipment, there's not herbicide, there's not chainsaws. And I, I love all of that. And that that's that's let's say stage two. But if all you're looking to do is get a better age structure in your herd, in your neighborhood, it's either sit back and don't kill that two-three-year-old buck, and just switch to does. And if you're wanting to kill deer, then kill does. Yeah,
1: if you're if you have a bloodthirst to just fill tags, shoot does. Absolutely. Uh, so, how many times do you run across a property, or you hear the story of the landowner who's really wanting to grow big deer? Because I think. If you were to poll us and we were all honest, the 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 dream, the vision, the daydream that we have in the tree stand, we picture a big buck. For whatever region you're in, you picture the the peak of the of the quality for that region. So most of us want a trophy deer, whether we'll admit it or not. That's a big goal. And then, but but we let that overshadow the importance of managing the herd. we talked about that a couple podcasts back. But we have that goal of a big deer, but we also have a goal of filling tags. And sometimes they blur together to where we shoot young bucks because we want to kill and we don't want to shoot a bunch of does. Because somebody probably told us, well, you can't shoot all the does because that's the mama to those big bucks. Another another uh... myth myth. When was that podcast we did? Common myths of.
2: I don't know. A long time ago, probably. You
1: realize we're over two hundred and sixty podcasts
2: oh, yeah. now. Yeah, hard to hard to go back. I know we've covered a ton of topics, and we've hit on this in in different podcasts, but haven't just devoted it fully and just said, "Hey, this is the recipe. This is if this is what you want to do. If this is your goal for your property." You gotta lay off of the young deer. And and the other thing that goes hand in hand, we'll get into this in a little bit, is you gotta stop playing the blame game on the neighbor and extend the handout across there and start a wildlife co op. I mean it just it has to happen, you have to have a neighborhood effect to make this work in, in most regions. But regardless, I think that everyone like like Missouri here is a two buck state. Virginia was a three buck state. And I'm going. I think Tennessee is a two buck. Um, Indiana, I think, is a two buck. Illinois, same thing. Um, but I will say this: when you have multiple tags, it's not an obligation to fill them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if if you have that's turkey have, season podcast <laughs> right there. If you have goals of getting to again managing the age structure and you have uh, extra tags in your pocket when it comes to antler deer it, it's probably you're probably not at a situation in your region in your neighborhood that you should be selecting to harvest a second deer yes. in most most situations um, and in some places honestly you probably should go a couple years without tagging one period yep Because you have to let that age structure mature into having those age classes that will produce big bucks represented on the landscape. It's just like we, I guess it was Mike Chamberlain used the the phrase turkeys, you know, death by a thousand cuts, right? There's so many things that want to kill them, this and that. But I think, honestly, you could apply maybe death by 500 cuts to mature deer. Like yep. it is, it takes a special five, six years for that individual to be able to get to a point where he is at that age. Yeah. All the things that happen occur: um, vehicle collisions, disease, um, injury. Obviously, hunters harvesting. It takes a lot, but yes. he's not going to get giant and big. If he's two, no, it's not. It's not going to happen. No,
1: I. I Period. When, when the story of donuts is complete, whether he shows back up or we never yep. see him again, and there's a time frame to go. Okay, we're ready to accept that he is dead from reasons we don't know how. Right. Um, we'll share more about the growth cycles of donuts. Sure. And how uh, eye opening that was for us. Um, I. You hit it. Where I think a lot of people can think about it or or understand it better, but when it comes to the um, just the overall thinking about a deer getting bigger, there's so many factors that that come into play that we don't even we we think about car collisions, we think about uh, hunter mortality, but there's so many other things, disease or just coyotes which predation um or just the use a different part of his range and never to be seen again um there's so many things that come into play that we never really that the the i don't know what the percentage would be because it varies so much in each place but the percentage to go from a button buck to a mature buck that we all say wow that's that's a shooter five and a half is very very slim and um it gets even harder in areas where there's high deer densities or, or, or high hunter numbers. Yeah. Which, and then we talked about dogs even too. If you throw in the different types of hunting scenarios,
2: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the seasons dictate a lot of it. Yeah. And and but here's the here's the thing, again, if like the the a state. Builds parameters around hunting regulations. Let's say, just go back to that tag situation. Let's say they give you three bucks or two bucks. That doesn't mean you have to fill all those tags. And same thing with a season when it comes to like rifle season. Let's say you have an extended rifle season. Yeah. You don't have to hunt with a rifle during that time. You so can choose to, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with doing that at all. Nothing wrong, mm-hmm. but or maybe you just you don't hunt it, and maybe you just say, "Hey, I'm going to reduce some pressure." Basically, yeah. I'm just overall, you, saying we're just throwing out a bunch of different scenarios to say that, and you those are those are like guidelines, yeah, uh, and they're, they're rules and laws, of course, but they're also guidelines. Like you can also do do um, I don't say the right phrase is less than those like you don't have yeah. to give yourself all of the um the distance and the range that the rifle would do maybe you just say hey i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say i'm gonna take the rifle out one time this year and i'm gonna give myself that advantage yep you can reduce some vanta- advantages on you personally but you have to make that decision within the given state guidelines and rules and regulations you have to follow
1: well we use we use state guidelines a lot of times as like our our goals of going okay this is what they take this is what they're basically they're basically writing up is that fireworks going on back yeah. there they're basically writing up wow. the guidelines and putting the bar here yes and then as a young hunter we say I gotta raise the bar or I gotta get to the bar. Yeah, I have to and get And so to I gotta I f- I gotta kill two bucks, I gotta kill two does, mm-hmm. I gotta shoot my two fall turkeys. Um, and then I'll know the season's complete.
2: If I bought these tags I might as well fill them. Yes. I think that there is obviously we, we all talk about the stages, the maturity of, you know, hunters and stuff like that. That that stage is typically, yeah, young, bloodthirsty, but we don't have to enter into that and continue those things no. within state
1: guidelines. One thing that um, we talked about it a lot this, this past um, turkey season was, you know, turkey numbers are declining, uh, populations aren't as high, so we said, you know, even if your state has two tags, you get two, two tags, doesn't mean you have to fill both of them. Mm-hmm. You, in you, yourself, have to figure out what you look at and what is your compass for a successful season. And I think I had this conversation. Well, you and I—we were part of a conference call, and I and I use this scenario: is just as much as we are habitat and land consultants and help landowners express have their land express more of its potential and become a healthier landscape. We really change a perspective too for for guys to say when when we hear this so much, it's just become repetitive now that our clients say you know, I really am excited for deer season, but I'm more looking forward to January, February, March when I can do work. Mm-hmm. And you start mm-hmm. seeing this change into where they may not kill, they may not be like filling as many tags as they once were because they're not focused on filling tags. They're focused on overall ass- accessing, uh, just assessing the, the habitat and saying, okay, well, I'm on the stand. I need to do this and this and this and this. And before you know it, two years post-plan they still killing good deer or they're killing even better deer. Yeah. But overall, it doesn't matter if they fill tags or not, they're enjoying the season. They're enjoying the process. And we're changing a perspective of saying, Hey, you are not your your level of success, your definition of success is not a filled tag on a two hundred inch buck or a hundred and fifty inch buck. You change it where I want to see the change in the habitat. I want to see the process. I want to see more wildlife using. And then in the process of that, you do start seeing bigger deer.
2: Yeah, it's it's almost like I feel like some people probably probably and some probably who who either choose to not hire us and have hired other consultants, which is fantastic, it's great, but they're probably like, no, they don't get it. Like I, I want to shoot big deer. I want to shoot. Uh, that's that is my goal. And it's like I I totally get that. But if you focus on the habitat, those opportunities will one hundred percent present themselves. Like, it's, it's just a, I don't come at land management strictly focusing on the one single event yeah. that is your goal. I look and say, hey, your, your goal is this, but we have to do all these other things and focus on them, and this will come true in the end. But there's yeah. so many other factors, and I guess and we're we're 100% guilty of it. We I think we open up the podcast with it. It's like hunting season is coming. Yeah. It's here. But I think that from a perspective standpoint, what if we just didn't call it hunting season? And and this is just obviously very dramatic and I'm not serious. But truthfully, it's herd management season. Like we go we go from, you know, January through September time frame in like land management mode. But like yeah. when it's hunting season, you're st- still the manager. You're still yeah. the land owner. You're still um, the land manager. You have access to this property. It is just herd management season. And sometimes herd management season, depending on the season of the property, the maturity level of the age structure, it, it might be I don't do anything. Or it might be I just need to focus on does and increase. And if, if I have a buck come in during the rut that I don't know, I'll go hunt that opportunity. Um, But if I don't have a mature buck on the property right now, you can't go and hunt a buck that's not there. So, again, that herd management season is going to mean different things for different people, but it's, it's not just hunting season. If you have a very specific goal of managing for, certainly in areas that are not known for producing these giant, big deer, right? Yep. You have you have a responsibility to to take and understand the general herd in the neighborhood versus what's just right in front of you at uh, an opportune time to harvest it.
1: Yeah, January through September, land management, September through January, herd management. Yeah, I mean,
2: it, it's, it sounds... Simple, because it is. It won't
1: ever catch on, so don't plan on it. But, <laughs> right. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. Okay, if I really, you know, I don't know how far along in this podcast we are, but we'll probably have to wrap up at some point. But if we're really going to break this down and simplify it, it really comes down to maximize your habitat. If if Okay, I should say to simplify this to because we've all accepted now that we only care about big deer, right? <laughs> yeah. um, or, or our goal is we want the biggest bucks we can have in the neighborhood. We want to put the feather in our cap and say we grow bigger bucks in most of our neighborhood, or than than the, the surrounding the area. Yeah, yeah. So if that's the goal, then we're gonna stop shooting them when they're young. We're gonna improve the habitat to where there's food year round. Doesn't matter what month we go out there and assess. There's food available, whether mm-hmm. it be woody browse herbaceous plants, there's quality cover to where they still can survive foreign uh, or, or not two-legged predators, but all the other four-legged predators that are out there. And then I need to make sure I don't have too many does. And so I need to improve the habitat so much so that I've given them the very best food and cover I can for all the months of the year and i need to make sure that there's not a pile of other deer there competing with them causing social stress.
2: Yes. Yes, yes, yes and more yes. There is It's it it just is a responsibility for for everybody i feel like to understand what that herd looks like in it. And i don't think that you can just haphazardly run trail cameras and have a good idea. You can't just no. say okay, this is this is all i got as I've had cameras out uh, That this is what I deal with, this is what I got Like it is more data driven than than that than some just observations of scrolling through trail camera pictures and pulling cards on a Saturday afternoon, there, it takes more responsibility to, to do that but guess what, so does completing TSI and so does completing or calibrating a drill, it takes a little extra effort to be able to understand what it is you're working with so then at the end of the day, your results are what you want. Yeah. You can't go and plant a food plot and just say, Oh well, I haven't changed the drill settings from um, you know, when I planted soybeans, but I'm just gonna go over here and, and just do wheat and just ah, it'll turn out how it is. Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like a lot of people are probably like entering into deer season in the same manner and saying, Well, I probably should shoot does ah, 3 is going to do it when when in all reality it probably should be 12. Yeah. Like how do you how do you how are you quantifying that information? And there's ways to do it, and ways to do it pretty dang accurately. Um but those steps to take, those it requires some extra effort. Yeah. I I think the other aspect of this, someone's going to say, "Okay guys, I get it, I get it, I get it." QDM is founded on, you know, principles of letting deer get to older age. I feel like somehow we've, like, I don't know, skipped over that a little bit or just forgotten, like, hey, that is, like, principle uno. Like, that's really important um, because we got so inundated with products and this and that and score and whatever. But really, there is the question that becomes, hey, I don't think you guys quite understand. Like I've got, I've got a ton of neighbors. I'm just, I'm just in an area that's got lots and lots of hunting pressure. So from, if you're in that situation, obviously a wildlife co-op is a great thing to try and introduce and and get on board with, right? But number two, from a habitat standpoint, is if you're trying to play, if your goal, let's say, and you have tons of hunters around. I'm putting this on a stinking tee for you. Tons of hunters around. You got a pretty decent chunk of land, and you're just wanting to get more deer to older age. And you say, "Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna be shooting, you know, bucks this year." But what would you want your habitat to be like to provide that growing maturity atmosphere in the neighborhood? Like, well, what would you have on the property? What would if, your focus if, if be if you're
1: looking at it from a standpoint of going? That the biggest erosion you're going to have in a deer herd over the course of the year is neighboring uh, neighbor gunfire. Then I'm going to maximize the secure cover Boom. for that time frame. So I'm not looking at it going, "Well, I need better food plots in my neighbor," because no. uh, because if that's the case, then. I'm let I'm rolling the dice on where that deer selecting the best cover to be to survive and that's that's too risky because you got to understand that what is a deer doing during daylight for the most of the time he's bedded down in cover. cover or what he believes is sec- the best a secure, secure cover yeah. and if I don't make it black and white blatant to him on what is the best cover then I'm letting him just pick and choose and he may not pick the best. Correct. And so Or he may not pick your side so of the So many times, I mean, you can just just humor me and get on social media and type in any kind of habitat forum and say, okay, how how what's the ratio of talks on food plot, talks on mineral, talks on product versus quality cover? It's not not a very good ratio. Fractional? And so, 10, if if, you're, at most. if your goal is, uh, we've had this question multiple times get emailed in lately. Uh, okay, how do I hold more deer? I, there's a couple good deer on camera, and they seem to maybe want to be. I'm not getting them on camera as much anymore. How can I? How can I hold more deer on the farm? Well, my Chad just told me one. A guy, um, a guy asked him, he's like I've got mineral food plots out. Well, you miss the big picture because." You need quality no. cover. You're, look, you're looking at
2: an empty picture with a frame. Yeah.
1: That's it. you got to have quality cover. And so many times we hear from our clients, once they do the bedding tickets, they're like deer all over. I'm seeing more deer. It's like, well, yeah, that's why we recommend it more than any other thing that we probably one of do. the
2: easiest things to implement. It's the first thing you should do if you don't have cover on a place. Go yeah. you know, and cut some daggum timber. Not only is it to healthy for the forest. Yeah.
1: But it's healthy to the overall land. We add some diversity to the to the growth structure. Yeah. Um, but also, it makes it pretty doggone easier hunting because now we know where they want to bed because it is
2: the best bedding. It is, without a doubt, the best bedding. And I think that that category, if you will, if you're trying to, if you're sitting back and saying, okay, I've got neighbors at hunt, and and I want to supply something or offer something to the neighborhood deer herd that other places don't have or aren't doing well, generally speaking it can fall right into that cover category and you can knock it out of the park and do it pretty pretty easily. And I think and sometimes in some situations you make money while doing it. Um, so, so either you're letting deer walk, so that's free, that doesn't cost you money, or you're killing some does so you're out Maybe a processing fee if you don't do that yourself, and the price of ammo. Um, so very little investment there, and you're getting it depends f- on what ammo, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or uh, how good of a shot you are, <laughs> yeah. But um, so that there, there's a scenario where you okay. I just I helped get more more deer to maturity, but then also from a cover standpoint, I cut timber and I made money on it. Those those are situations right there where. We come at it and say, "This the game is simple. And the game is is honestly looking you square in your face and saying, hey, over here, this is one of the easiest things to do and implement. And, and you haven't done it because you're focused on, oh, if I put money or if I invest money into the farm through food plots, which cost a lot of money, I'll get that return. Well, deer don't care how much you spent on it. Yeah, What they care about is is this quality cover. Yeah. And can I stay here, bed here, safely and securely? Yeah. That's what they're going to relate to, not how much you spent on a food plot or how much fertilizer you put down on it. It is a different, different game. And, again, boiling it back down to, if your goal is big bucks, age structure and cover will get you there. Yeah. In whatever region you find yourself it, listening to this podcast in. If you listen to this podcast... You need to think.
1: I want you to picture a a calendar, uh, a 12-month calendar, a calendar year, and say, okay, when did I spend the most time on my farm? If you spent the most time on your farm, and and I'm not talking hunting, or I guess you can talk hunting, because if you spend more time on your farm during hunting season than any other time of the year, you're drastically missing out on the success and the potential of your property. you're You're
2: going to improve it minimally.
1: Yeah. You're you're basically a sports player just going to just going to games and pl- and playing. You realize you that the you're not at practice. Winter, and we're talking about practice. We're talking <laughs> practice. about practice. <laughs> um, and if you also then look at the calendar year and you realize that you spend more time okay outside of the hunting season in August, or July and August, going and refreshing mineral or feeders and all that stuff. You're missing it. You're you're scratching the surface on the potential of your farm, if and or you're putting out mock scrapes or you're putting out water tanks or you're doing all the stuff you're putting in food plots. Um, you're missing you're missing the big part of it. Um, but if you're one of those guys that realize that January, February, March, you're out there sweating it out, cutting, doing all kinds of stuff. Burning. You get it because you realize the impact that that makes. Although it may not seem like a lot because you're months out from getting to see it, it's not that instant, hey, I went and a food plot. Two weeks later, I've got a green area. Deer are coming in. I'm getting a trail camera.
2: Yeah, that's great.
1: But it's just it's
2: just Here, scratching the, the surface. It's like, and I think this, I don't know, I'm going to probably butcher the phrase, but basically it's like if it's that easy, like everyone would be doing it or, or, or it's like if that yielded you the result that you wanted to like everyone would have would be in the same boat. What I'm saying is like if mineral if just putting out mineral and a trail camera grew giant deer, we wouldn't be having We'd this We'd know podcast. it by now, right? Yeah, we we wouldn't be having this podcast of saying, Hey, you said you want bigger deer well, you're doing you're you're doing that right now as your practice and it's not getting you the result. Yeah. Do me a favor then and try something different, but try something that's going to make that difference. It's not going to allow you to go and show up to a property on a Saturday morning, put out the mineral, and then place the trail camera over it, and then that evening have pictures of some deer. That's yeah. instant gratification. That's what we're dealing with here is is the, the desire of saying, hey, I'm going to put a little time in. I'm going to get the pictures I want. I'm going to get out of there, and I'm going to complain about the pictures that I get. Yeah. That's not land management. Land management is right getting out there, January, February, March, cutting, burning, doing that stuff, and then seeing it pay off two years later, yeah. or or maybe that next fall, maybe even that next sure. fall. Yeah. But we can't, we can't just allow that desire for instant gratification to then result in again the stated goal of having bigger deer on a landscape. It's it doesn't work like that. Yeah.
1: Bigger deer have, uh, big deer plus marketing equals
2: chaos. Lackluster result.
1: Chaos. Yeah. Big deer plus quality habitat, or I should say quality habitat plus. Developed age structure. Developed. Herd. Let's just say land understanding or land education equals big deer. Yeah. Well, that's Um, a
2: part of the write-up was like. This isn't this isn't a product game. This is an education and application standpoint. Yeah. Like you have to know what it is you're you're managing for, and then know how to manage. Like you can't mm-hmm. manage a whitetail if you don't know a whitetail. Like you can't raise successfully. You can't be a, a basically a poultry producer or a pig producer on a farm if you don't know the first thing about them. Yeah. or what they need on, on a 365-day deal. Like, you're going to fail. Yeah. And I don't see farmers putting out just salt block for pigs and saying, well, I'll sell you in a few months and I'll take my check and get out of here. Yeah. It would work like that.
1: Yeah. Michael Jordan made a killing off with the basketball. And we could buy that same basketball. But it's the knowledge that he had, the ability to use that knowledge to be successful. And so many times we go out thinking we can buy the same product as XYZ, Tom, Dick, or Harry that kills big deer and say, it's going to happen. I'm going to shake
2: this bag up and I'm going to dump it out. (laughs) I'm going to put it on the ground. I'm going to put it on the stump.
1: Yeah. And then voila, big deer show up. It does not work like that. And, And Tom... Dick or Harry may be killing good deer because something's happening on his pro- uh, property that he doesn't even realize there's oh a reason. Yeah. May- it could be a tornado damage or a logging operation came through yeah. or just the natural the layout structure of yeah. the of the farm Absolutely. and he, he can't put his finger on it. But there's a reason why big deer are can be killed in the same farms year after year and it's because there's something going on um, whether we know it or not. And if you want that, if you want that to happen on your farm, you just got to follow the simple results of going quality habitat, manage the herd, stop shooting them when they're young, and overall just make a landscape that deer want to be there. And that, that happens by quality habitat. Uh, yeah. And, and It's really not that hard. It's active, not. Actively manipulating it. You can buy your way. By hiring people, or you can work your way. Yeah. Anybody
2: can do it. Absolutely. Any Anybody with land, and I get this question too, it's like not only like the region, I'm in this region, do you think that I can, you know, improve things? <laughs> Probably, absolutely. I haven't been to a property yet that was like, well, all good. You've you you yeah. you've got it all done already. No. Like, of course there's there's, you can improve things. And then it's like... Well, am I going to shoot big deer? Too many variables, but I, yeah. I guarantee you this: if you don't screw it up, maybe. <laughs> if you if you follow this, you'll be a heck of a lot closer to doing it. I can't I can't be there and 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 make you aim right or whatever, but I'll do the I'll I'll, I'll make the statement: you will produce and create a landscape that's going to be most likely way more desirable. Than your neighbors, therefore increasing your chances of killing them. You
1: know, I'm gonna, bucks. I'm going to use a. We talk about a lot about quail and how they key in on quality habitat more than whitetail deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just saw something shared this week out of the state of Iowa, which we work a lot. Yeah. And did you see this? Uh-uh. They were they were talking about the pheasant density, um, yeah. in. In it was pheasants, gray partridge, bobwhite quail, cottontail rabbit, okay, and one of our projects, they uh, pheasants are very very low, like Mm -hmm. not not many declining, like five to eleven percent. Ironically, the project that we work is loaded up with pheasants Mm -hmm. because we have quality habitat. Yep, and what do you think? The same things happening. The landowners killing some deer Stallions. that most of us can ever only even dream
2: of—literally, dream <laughs> of—many
1: many inches above two hundred in a couple in a couple cases, and so uh, it's like, hello, it's not that hard. We made quality habitat, and we see uh, animals that key in on quality habitat more than a white-tailed deer. They're thriving
2: thriving populations are increasing where everywhere else around you is decreasing
1: work with other landowners just down the road and say they haven't seen them since the 90s yeah and the, uh, they're saying oh, we're seeing over 30 just mowing the trails yeah it's like yeah and, and and they're like five years ago wasn't seeing it well yeah because now we have old field prairie restoration mm-hmm. young forest we got everything going on around here and the pheasants are indicating it the quail are indicating it, and certainly the deer size is Tur- indicating it and quality numbers. habitat i don't care what if you could if if we could devote the next 10 years of our career to figure out a way to box up quality habitat and sell it and put a buck on the box we'd retire
2: Maybe we'll just get one of those big like refrigerator boxes and then we'll just get shipped around. So we'll just come out of them <laughs> like, a, like a, be present. a bad birthday present. <laughs> yeah, it would. yeah. Oh man, well you know like it, it but, but
1: here's the thing. It's not that hard. Uh depend on how much you want to work, depend on how much you want to purchase or hire people, but uh, you could really make that box. You could throw a chainsaw, a drip torch. Yep. Um some herbicide. Yep. Uh Maybe a little bit bigger box and put a four wheeler with a, a with a
2: sprayer on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a there, there. I mean, really, if you had those like four things, oh, go, the the world is your oyster. <laughs> I mean, just like crazy. Yeah, you can do so much. And, so and maybe
1: much. maybe one day we'll buy a forty acres and and we'll just use as many as as few tools as possible and so say we're gonna see what maybe, we maybe yeah
2: maybe what we should do is just have one single chainsaw. One backpack sprayer, one, one trip those, torch. Yeah, one of those main
1: green ones from Walmart chainsaws. No,
2: I will not.
1: <laughs> I will <laughs> not do that to myself.
2: And then, and then a uh, a bag spreader and four yeah. four tools. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah, that we're would, gonna. Hey, do if you if anyone wants to donate that forty acres, let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, but I mean that w- that was. I I think it would probably blow people's minds what you could create. Oh yeah. And the habitat you'd, that you'd have you could. to have some trail cameras on
1: it just to showcase. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But but the transformation of that forty acres would be. And that's incredible. the thing. It doesn't even scare me when we say that. No. Which I know it would scare a lot
1: of people's like, I'm Oh, excited you're not gonna be able, that. I'm like, Man, if we had forty let acres. Me let me at him, let me at yeah. And and because that sounds like a property that we may live on one day. Oh yeah. In our little in our little cult. Yeah. Um it's like compound. okay, ma- compound. That's a better word for it.
2: Yeah, I'm not doing the cult stuff, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no. We we go into it and we say, all right, have we're not no food plots for two years. Let's just see what can happen. Yep, it'd be fun because I be know there'd be a lot of thickets on that place.
2: Oh man, we'd have some we'd have some sun on the ground. I know that much. Yeah. and some smoke in the air. Yeah, for I sure. mean, there's no doubt. Oh about man, it. well, but, like real quick before we go. I think we to make a, a comparison to outside of just hunting. There's probably people if you're if you're a business owner, or whatever you you've got you've got mentors that you look up to um, in in a business standpoint. I feel like everyone like if if I've heard this analogy, if you're successful in business, you're constantly evolving, developing, changing, working with things for that business to grow and thrive. But the businesses that are stale, stagnant, don't change with the times. That ad- think adapt. they know
1: that think they know it all.
2: Yeah, and, and just just do do the bare minimum to um, to get by. Let's say they're not the ones who are having the success and are on our, our living um, financially free and and independent. Um, it is the people who are actively working and are diverse in their business as well. And that same, that's a, a, like a, essentially an, an illustration to what it is that we're trying to discuss when it comes to a property. You've got to be diverse. You've got to be manipulating. You've got to be constantly changing things, developing them, and managing them. Um, stale, stagnant is not attractive to wildlife. And if you haven't done something pretty dang drastic in your habitat or on your land in some time, you're probably looking pretty stale, and so I—that's I, not a recipe. That does—that's not a, a part of the equation that that um, these big deer are produced in annually, yeah. repetitively, consistently. Whatever yeah. you want to say, that's just not part of it. Yeah, um,
1: it's a line graph that's either climbing or falling. Yeah, and there is no set and go straight parallel. There's
2: no. There's no. There's not a plateau essentially. Yeah man I, I hope i hope that was helpful i i hope uh, people are just more understanding of the season that we're about to enter maybe that land management hat comes off and a scent free herd management hat comes on but yep. but that's that's the opportunities that what, for the next 5 months or so most people are, have the ability to have an impact on
1: what can you do to to change and be the best farm in a great neighborhood from now into the future we're getting ready to hit hunting season you can m- monitor your food plots put out some utilization cages and start seeing figuring out do i have too many deer for what my habitat can hold so spend the next five months thinning the herd listen to these podcasts yeah. as much as educate i try yourself. to s- just educate yourself book us for a consult yeah. um or listen to all of our podcasts watch the videos and start seeing okay I need to change replicate, it replicate and and uh, I think you'll be on the path to doing some amazing things on your farm I, I should listen certainly, to last yeah. falls podcast with our with some of our clients oh yeah They'll we, tell we, you.
2: we highlighted a lot of success come uh, that December time frame after a lot of people had um, success through October and November and that people are just killing them um, and, and having fun doing it. I think that's yeah. the most important thing.
1: Enjoying the process. Yep. No longer do you get bummed out or nearly as bummed out because season closed. Because that just goes with the exciting, uh, the excitement of running a chainsaw. The bow improving. gets hung up,
2: but the chainsaw gets picked up. Yeah. It's just a seamless transition.
1: Yeah. All right, guys.
2: Appreciate you listening. Yeah.
1: Before we go, remember... To check out Niangua Coffee,
2: coffee's good. <laughs> coffee's good. I looked at I, you. I, I was probably, like, "Are you gonna say anything? I
1: could nope. probably use a cup right now. Check out Niangua oh, Coffee. Man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Coffee.
2: Great friends. Great friends. There.
1: Even better coffee. Yep. Uh, it's hard to even imagine. Go check them out. NianguaCoffee dot and order some Blue Spring, um, Black Water, Black Water, or fly down yes maybe maybe a little birdie told me something else maybe coming soon um be checking that out go subscribe to youtube channel we're doing a giveaway yes um there's going to be virtual property consult that we're donating uh there's also going to be some ryan kirby artwork thrown Mm -hmm. in the mix Mm -hmm. there's going to be uh some land and legacy apparel vortex gear gear yep did I say Niangle Coffee's thrown in the mix of that? Not yet. Yeah, Niangle Coffee's Ooh. even in the mix. So Heck and up. and it's gonna get better and better. By the time awesome. this is all said and done, you guys in North Dakota might even get a custom Landon Legacy hunting trip in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> I told They're Matt like, I was gonna make a little shameless plug, but um, we'll we'll do some trade. Maybe we'll come in, we'll trade in the betting tickets. We'll come cut the bedding tickets in.
2: There's trees in North Dakota. <laughs> <Good> places. <laughs> oh man, no, that will come be cut fun. the invasives to hunt yeah.
1: North Dakota. That's right. I'm I'm sick of seeing all these guys already hunting, and I'm here, and I'm like,
2: well, here's, oh, man. here's, I'm I'm, not sick of sweating in a tree. So yeah. that's why it's like, yeah, North Dakota sounds better because it's, like, probably up there right now, probably 45 degrees at night. I see. And oh. look, sounding, that sounds amazing. I at see this those time. guys in Kentucky and Tennessee, and I'm, like, swatting mosquitoes oh. and just beat it up with sweat by the time they get to the tree. I'm, like, nah. I love yeah. deer hunting, but no. I can wait a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's too much other work to be done anyway. That is right. All right, guys.
2: Appreciate you. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.